to uh, lie on him. There's no incentive. I mean, he's an African-American. He's a Democrat. I am, too. And I do say, I'm not taking away from the fact that he is a civil rights icon. You know, he's just on the wrong side of, you know, his personal behavior is uh, unacceptable. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The voice you heard was the voice of Marion Brown, a former aide to Congressman John Conyers, who has settled a sexual harassment claim against the congressman in the workplace. That part of a longer interview that I did with Marion Brown, you will hear a little later in the show. But we want to start in a little bit of a different place. By now, we have all heard what Marion Brown says Congressman Conyers did to her. He touched her inappropriately. He propositioned her. He showed up in a hotel room in his underwear, pointed at his genitals, and told her to, quote, touch it. But what was the culture like in Conyers' office leading up to these alleged incidents? What was the context in which these kinds of things might have happened? And how did those around Conyers either contribute to or disrupt the blurring of these professional and personal lines. In a wide-ranging interview, I asked Brown, who is now speaking out about her interactions with Conyers, to help us understand the dynamics that were at work with her employment and in the congressman's office. When I uh, first started in his office, it was, uh, it was I, I came to him to work on uh, prisoner reentry issues. And uh, that was back in, uh, uh, when I started, was in 2003. And prisoner reentry uh, was uh, something that was reforming. We were um, working on reforming, working with uh, NGOs uh, to try to bring about change. And, the, uh, and you know, with all the, uh, uh, the imbalance of, African-Americans being incarcerated, Mm -hmm. uh, representing a larger portion of uh, uh, how we are represented. You know, 13% of the country is African-Americans, but 80% uh, of the prison population was incarcerated. And that was very, very uh, dear to me. And I got an opportunity to work on that. It was very, uh, you know, exciting. Yeah. Uh, that part of it. Yeah. Can you talk about mm-hmm. what you thought about Congressman Congress? I mean, I grew up here in Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have said many times I grew up thinking of Congressman Conyers as a hero, a civil rights hero, a civil rights hero mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. In, in Detroit and Michigan, a national civil rights hero. I would imagine that if I had the chance to go work for him, that would be part of the excitement. Was it for you? Uh, yes, it, it, it was. Uh, but when I entered, I mean, he, he operates, uh, he operates different. Uh, it was kind of like he, uh, told us that, uh, we were, uh, like family, um, and, uh, to the point that you should want to work around the clock on holidays. And as long as he would say, as long as I'm here working, there's no holidays. You know, what's all the fuss about Thanksgiving or Christmas? I'm here in town. You're supposed to work. And he was, he went out in the community a lot. In fact, when um, I traveled with him and staffed him at different events around the country, people would always say they wish that he was their congressman. 
because he's always out and about Mm -hmm. and active in the community for the people. So that was, you know, the the good part about it. And it was exciting, you know, to to be able to work on issues that were uh, dear to me. Yeah, yeah. But I have to say that in terms of how he operated in the office and the way he was structured was a little, uh, it was, it was challenging. Yeah. What What do you mean uh, by that? Can you be specific there? Um, well, I felt like the environment was set up to be, um, it, first of all, it was uh, uh, majority females, women. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had, in fact, there were times when there were um, uh, just maybe one male and all all women. And he kind of, it was set up like it was somewhat uh, a hostile environment where women were uh, competing with each other to get his attention, and uh, and that's the way he kind of uh, made it. It was like an open door policy, and he would never like, for example, when he had promoted me mm-hmm. to deputy chief of staff, mm-hmm. and I was in the office, and. Um, he allowed um, the women that were supposed to be subordinate to me, and I'm the manager, he let them come in out of the office and complain. And, you know, uh, and he, I would ask him to please explain to them the structure of the office, put some more structure, uh, allow them to respect me as, you know, uh, managing things here and give them assignments. But he didn't do that. He would just let them come in his office, complain, and uh, they would be disrespectful to me. He wouldn't do anything, you know. Uh, so it was kind of like that. Yeah. And whenever I tried to uh, bring value to the job and tell him I wanted to do more things, he would say, okay, um, I'm going to protect you. But then he wouldn't. Um, so that's what I mean by that. It yeah. was very, very difficult. Right. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Marion Brown, a former employee of Congressman John Conyers, who settled a sexual harassment claim against him. Um, uh, Talk about the lines that he was able to draw or not draw, I guess, in uh, the office, the lines between uh, personal and professional relationships uh, both between him and other staffers, between staffers in the office, what what was the what was the culture like in that office? Well, I think uh, uh, the culture was one of uh, where there where there wasn't really, you know, a line um, because we did things like um, babysit his kids, uh, staff members. I remember one time talking. Uh, to staff members, and people were accusing him of. Uh, I think one of the uh, one of the uh, accusers who came forward talked about in the '90s how she was made to babysit, but she was still there when I was there. Mm-hmm. And I think there was uh, she had made some claims. It was real public, and I remember feeling like all these people are saying that he's making them babysit. But I don't believe that he's making them. I believe they're doing it willingly because they want to get favor with him. They want to get promoted. Um, And then one of the staff members who had been there longer than me, she said, Marion, you don't know. You don't know. He made us. He forced us. And she started crying. 
And that's when I start to take a different look and understand uh, that this is very hurtful mm-hmm. um, to people. And he was doing it to me also. It was like, you know, he uh, just, and we went around uh, in the community. He always had an entourage of women. And we went to events and we didn't have tickets. We would just go into things, you know, and uh, he, it would be something that wasn't uh, looked upon as very professional. Um, but th- this is what he did, you know. He And then we went to um, restaurants, uh, and then we all got together and would say, um, how are we going to escape paying the bill, you know, things like that. It was like there was no line between personal. Hmm. It, was, and if, it was a very thin line, I'll just put it that way. Right. And the culture was one of you were hired, to not only do uh, constituent work, legislation work, but you were also there to uh, satisfy my uh, personal needs as well, too. Taking your clothes to the laundry, picking them up from the laundry, uh, going to your child's school uh, to discuss things with the teachers. I mean, it, it, it just was no line. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Marion Brown, a former employee of Congressman John Conyers, who settled a sexual harassment claim against him. Uh, Let's talk about the relationship you had with uh, Congressman Conyers and when it became closer or more intimate than you were comfortable with. What What was that moment when you felt like, okay, this is not what this is not what I want to be happening. Well, it was, uh, it was any time that he, uh, would say things like, you know, invite me to, uh, uh, hotels or, you know, and, uh, if I, you invite me to a hotel in the guise of business and then it turns into something else, uh, like I was saying, on the uh on the program on the today show Mm -hmm. and um and this happened on too often um so and that was uh throughout it was uh always with me it was uh he knew that i wanted to grow with his organization i wanted to learn i wanted to um uh you know uh to work on more issues i wanted to develop a, a newsletter um, also, he wanted us to work on his campaign, too, yeah. which uh, he was uh, censored by the Ethics Committee for doing that, not having a line in between campaign and uh, his congressional right. office uh, work, right. using employees to, to do both. Um, so for me, um, I, I just I felt uncomfortable when he would say, make comments to me. And, uh, you know, asked me, and, and a lot of times when I did staff him out of town, some of the things he was doing that I feel were unprofessional, inappropriate, and of a nature that I described uh, came out with uh, publicly on the Today Show. And it's also uh, in my complaint that uh, was uncovered. Yeah, but, but was it a progression to that point. In other words, when oh, you yeah. first when you first started working there, 
um, mm-hmm. was it different? Was it was it more respectful of those boundaries, and it changed over time? Uh, yes, I would say so, and uh, and then it kind of uh, it, it peaked at the time when his uh, wife was away, um, and um, and and he seemed to have taken on the attitude that um, you know I, I'm I'm going to go for it now. My wife's away, and I I have these needs, and I'm going to uh, call you up in the middle of the night. Is where he would do things like that, ask me to come to his house, you know, that sort of stuff. So it did yeah. get progressively uh, worse. He got more more aggressive about it. And and so then when you start to say, uh, Congressman, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in this kind of situation. Talk about the reaction from him and then talk about the environment in the office, how that would have changed and in the, in the way that other people might have reacted to you. Uh, to, uh, well, um, his reaction was primarily that, uh, I mean, he wasn't going to give up. Uh, he, he would get angry. Um, uh, there was a, a time where he even, uh, demoted me, um, when he demoted me uh, and had, because uh, he had a deputy chief of staff in the Detroit office and a deputy chief of staff in the Downriver office. And then um, uh, he decided that um, when he was, um, well, he decided to demote me and he had the, uh, the person who was uh, the deputy chief of staff in the Downriver office come and have a meeting with me in her office in which she told me he just wants me to be the pretty face out in the community Hmm. and that she was going to be the deputy chief of staff of both offices. And that was very painful for me and very insulting to me. And I felt very disrespected. And I, and I told her that and uh, you know, so. And you um, felt like you felt like this was a reaction to the things that you yes. said to him about not yes. wanting Although, to be. Yes. Yes. I, I, you know, yes, yes, I do. And, uh, and then he said that it was because, um, that she was, uh, an attorney and he had, uh, he had promised to the ethics committee that he was going to be, uh, more cognizant of training his staff uh, how to handle campaign, how to not get involved with campaign. He was going to draw a line uh, and this sort of thing. And and that was his reasoning that he said uh, mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the way in which he said, uh, I just want you to be a pretty face out there, to me had, uh, that's what was was insulting. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, uh, and even after that, he still continued uh, to uh, harass me and, you know, proposition me. So he never gave up. It was almost like I were related to um, when someone is uh, pursuing you and, uh, you know, wanting to date you and you go through that, uh, you go through that time period where you start off um, talking to a person, uh, trying to get them to be nice to them. Uh, for them to to uh, want to just to build up to get you to that's how I felt 
to get me to the point where I would uh, be intimate with him, Mm -hmm. to be his woman. In fact, when we went places, you know, sometimes people would come up to me and think I was his girlfriend out of town because they didn't know. And you felt like he, you felt like he liked that. He, he he wanted that. Yes. Yes, he did. He indicated because he didn't even jump up and say, no, she's no, that's not my wife. I had to say it. I said, you know, I'm, I work for Congressman Conyers. I'm, I'm his staff, you know. And they would say, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, so, oh, yeah, he definitely liked that. You're listening to my conversation with Marion Brown on Detroit Today. She is the former aide to Congressman John Conyers, who settled a sexual misconduct complaint against him in 2015 and is now speaking out about the harassment she says she experienced in his office. After a short break, we'll hear more from that conversation. And later on, we're going to want to hear from you. Coming up, Marion Brown talks about why she broke her silence. Stay with us on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are listening this hour to my wide-ranging interview with Marion Brown, the former Deputy Chief of Staff to Congressman John Conyers, who has accused him of sexual misconduct. Brown settled a formal complaint against Conyers in 2015. In this next segment, I ask her why she decided to sign a non-disclosure agreement as part of that settlement. I had signed this agreement because I felt like I had no other choice and it was a matter of survival. Um, You know, I had four kids, they were in college, um, you know, uh, and I I felt like um, it was a a matter of survival. I don't have, you know, and I was up in age, you know, a senior and it's hard to find a job. And so I felt like, and I couldn't get representation from attorneys. Nobody wanted to go against uh, the congressman. Um, and I just felt like I really felt forced to sign this agreement. And and the agreement called for me to be silent. Mm-hmm. And it, it stripped me from all of my rights, but it didn't him. So I, uh, and, and, and so when it comes to why did I then uh, speak out now, it was when I learned and heard him make a statement calling me a liar, mm-hmm. then I felt like, okay, this is a, a, a risk that I think is worth uh, taking. And I have said that I want to be a voice, you know, for all of, because I know there's young women that are staffers now uh, for members of Congress and in the workforce that can't, don't want to take that risk because, you know, they still are climbing in their career and they don't want to lose their job. And I felt like that also. But now I, you know, I, I want to be their voice because uh, they can't. And I said also, I said for the, the women that are in my life, you know, uh, including my granddaughter. And when she enters the workforce, I don't want her to have to go through what I went through 
What would you say to supporters of Congressman Conyers who question your credibility in this story and say it's just a matter of uh, misunderstanding? He says one thing, you says another, and that this is uh, an unfair blemish on his his legacy. Uh, how do you answer those people? Well, I would uh, I would say, you know, that everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, they weren't, uh, you know, if, if, if they weren't there, um, you know, maybe uh, their opinion of him is different because, I mean, you, you can't speak to someone that you haven't walked their life. You know, you haven't, you haven't been in my shoes. You know, I had no reason, I had no reason, um, when anyone had seen me out in the community, I cared for the congressman. I, you know, uh, many people, the the impression that I know that I had out in the community was one of a very caring person. I've been told many times, you take care of congressmen so well. So, I, you know, I, I have no reason to uh, lie on him. There's no incentive. I mean, he's an African-American. He's a Democrat. I, I am, too. I, I stand for, you know, and I do say. I'm not taking away from the fact that he is a civil rights icon. Um, you know, he's just on the wrong side of, you know, his personal behavior is uh, unacceptable and it's unprofessional. And, uh, and I had no reason to uh, lie on him or just attack him. You know, no, I didn't. I didn't have any reason. I want, I want you to talk just a little bit about the, the day you decided that you had to do something about this. The day you decided that you had to go file a complaint, can you tell me what was running through your mind at that point and, and, and how that felt, given that obviously you still wanted to, to, to believe in Congressman Conyers, you still wanted to believe in the mission of that office, mm-hmm. but that you had sort of decided that I, I have to do something about this. Can you, can you go back to that day for us? Um, I felt... Uh uh, first of all, when he um, when I learned uh, it, it, it was a very uh, traumatic uh, event and very emotional, and I and I I, I just uh, felt hurt. But um, he he had come in uh, when I realized that you have that I realized that uh, Mr. Conyers had come to the point where he felt like. Um, I had no value to him. He didn't care about me, um, you know, because he came in or he had his uh, chief of staff at the time, Cynthia Martin, and his district director, both of them, come in and deliver the message to me uh, on February 12th, which was the day before my birthday. And I remember feeling like, wow, how could you do this, you know, to me? When I've endured all of your advances and I've done nothing but uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been friendly and caring of your family um, and you and, you know, how, how could you do this to me when you know, because I had had conversations with him before about I, I don't want to retire. I, I, I like working here. I had heard rumors that you're trying to get rid of me. He assured me that is not true. Don't you listen to that, baby. I'm going to take care of you. I, you know, so. I, I, when, when they came in and told me that he didn't need my services anymore, uh, Michigan is an at-will state, 
Um, and um, he's not talking about your performance. You've done some wonderful work for me. I just don't need your services anymore. Get your things and get out. That's how they said to me. So I, I remember feeling just hurt and devastated. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, it was a, a very hurtful thing. And then I, I didn't at first. I, I just felt like, what can I do? I, you know, and then one day I said, I, I can't stand for this. I can't stand for I have to stand up to him because I'm not going to take this uh, disrespect because I know that it is not for good cause. I know it's because he decided that he wanted to stop the hunting game. He had no more interest in trying to uh, persuade and seduce me into, uh, you know, sex uh, or being his uh, side piece. And that's what my feeling was. So I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to stand up to the, I'm going to stand up to him. So I began to, uh, you know, ask some of the people that I know, um, what attorney should I go to? So then I went and said, I'm going to talk to attorneys to see if they felt I had a case. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so that was my first action. And then what I found was everybody I went to, made excuses that they weren't going to uh, take my case. The first attorney I went to was a very well-known, accomplished attorney, and she told me, um, I think you have a case, and that's terrible, but I don't handle those kinds of uh, sexual harassment. I handle sexual assault. I'm going to refer you to another attorney, a female, that does. So I went to that female. I called her. She didn't call me back at first, and then she called me, and she said, you know what, I have... Uh, clients, we do some work for some, uh, I think she said senators, and and we just don't think it's a good idea that we represent you as a conflict. And then she said, I'm going to refer you to someone else, and she did. She referred me to another attorney. He never called me back, and then she, I told her that. Then she said, I'm going to refer you to another large African-American firm who I know them. And I said, he's not going to do anything because he's going to feel like, you know, it, he doesn't want to do that. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to represent myself. Then she said, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't represent yourself. I don't, I don't, I don't recommend that, Marion. I don't advise you to do that. So let me recommend you to someone else. And she did. And he never called me back. So I was just left out there. And I felt terrible. I felt alone. I felt, you know, uh, pushed out. Um, you know, then I was thinking maybe I could get another job with another congressman since he didn't need my services and I found nobody would help me. You know, it was like, it felt like I was blackballed. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Marion Brown, a former employee of Congressman John Conyers who settled a sexual harassment claim against him. Uh, Tell me what you think of Congressman Conyers now, in other words, do you think really differently about him than you did before you went to work for him? Did you do you do you believe less in the legacy that he's left and the things that he said he wanted to do? Has this changed the way you think of of him? I feel that uh, uh, first of all, let me let me say that uh, I I wish him well. You know, I understand he's in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, he's uh, served the Congress 
for 53 years, um, and I uh, and I, I I I wouldn't dare take that away from him. I just think that um, he, uh, you know, I just think that he just uh, needs to reflect on. You know, first of all, I said I want an apology from him to acknowledge some of the things he's done. I, my hope is that he will reflect on all of these things that are happening and take some responsibility and figure out a way how he's going to uh, uh, live with himself from this point on. And I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't hate him. I don't, you know, I still believe that uh, he was a face out for the people, the working people. I know he has a good relationship with the unions. I know his dad uh, did. Um, and I don't take that away from him. I, I just think that um, he has some issues uh, in his personal uh, behavior that are uh, unacceptable. And he needs to come to reason with that. And um, and, and so... I just think that, um, like I've said before, I don't want to say he needs to resign. Uh, that's up to the ethics committee and his colleagues and in and, and Congress and, and for him, you know, to decide right. to do the right thing and whatever that is. Um, and now outside of him, I do believe this is my personal feeling is that I really wish that he would have um, uh, championed someone to uh, take his place, you know, have a, like a secession plan or mm -hmm. something. Um, and I, I feel like uh, he should have done that. And uh, and he wouldn't be in this uh, position yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, listening to you talk about him and this office and this relationship, I, I'm really sort of struck by the the – relationship uh, to power that he has here, right? You're, you're talking about the way that he sort of staffs his office. You're talking about the way that he conducts things in his office. And it all seems geared toward establishing a power relationship over the people who work for him, mm -hmm. especially the women. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, I would say so. I would say so. It was like, uh, you know, um, and at one time, it was said amongst staff members, females, that he thinks his initials, J.C., stands for Jesus Christ. And that kind of, you know, sums up how he... Um, well, and if that's how you think of... The person in charge in your office, I, I think you would you would respond differently, right? I mean, you would feel like that person has power over you. Uh, yeah, I, I did feel like he had power. He had the power to fire me. He had the power to uh, uh, blackball me. He had the power to people were. I had the impression people were scared of him. Uh, you know, it was known you're not gonna like somebody's not gonna come to me and hire me. Uh, you know from. From him, it was like you know, it's the ownership. You know, he owns uh, he owns you when you're there, and unless he says, um, you know, it's okay for you to go. Which there were uh, there were several male 
staff members that went on, uh, and he recommended, I guess, go and work for other members of Congress. Um, You know, but it wasn't like he wasn't willing to do that to me. You know, it's just like, okay, I have no use for you. Get lost um, and goodbye and let me give you this little money. I guess he did that to be uh, uh, so that I would feel like he's being nice Mm -hmm. and wouldn't do anything, you know, to him, wouldn't stand up to him. So he and and he did have that power because people absolutely would not uh, touch you. In fact, that was another thing. I felt like um, it, it it was like a double-edged uh, sword. I mean, you work for this uh, this powerful man, but then it kind of hurts you because uh, you know you you have nowhere to go if you're if you're not with 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 him. And and I try and I experienced that when I did try to work for other people because after all he had told me I'm not getting rid of you for lack of performance. Mm-hmm. I appreciate some of the things you have done, and uh, you've been a good employee. Uh, but I just don't need your services anymore. So I thought, oh well, I can go out here and you know talk to the other uh, members of Congress, uh, try to get a job with them. In fact, I had people advocating for me to do that. And I was met with, uh, you know, resistance or, you know, rejection. Right. Okay. Marion, thank you very, very much for the time you've spent with us today. I, I really uh, I give you a lot of credit for, for having the courage to do what you're doing. And, and thank you, Steve. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, that was my conversation with former John Conyers Deputy Chief of Staff Marion Brown, who settled a sexual misconduct complaint against him, is now speaking out. Uh, We should also say that uh, the congressman denies everything that she says happened. His lawyers have continued those denials. Up next, we're going to talk with NPR political reporter Don Gagne about his reporting on the situation surrounding Congressman John Conyers, the calls on him to resign and his health. And we want to hear from you. Did what you just heard from Marion Brown change your opinion about John Conyers? Give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Detroit Today. 